in the 18th chapter of Proverbs and the 24th verse. And look at how beautiful the scripture is. And it's interesting, this church has three versions in it. Some have not let go of their King James version. Some are staunch on NIV versions. And others have the Living Bible. That's okay. You read the Bible, that's all that counts right now. A man of many companions, a man of many companions may come to ruin. What does it say in the Living Bible? Anybody have it? Read it out. Read it out. If you've got the Living Bible. That's 20, that's 1824. Okay, now that goes into the, moves into the world of pretense. Uh, there are friends that pretend to be friends, and they're not. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I read you the NIV. We need the King James Version. Who's reading Paul's Bible? Let's go. Okay, a man that has, well, the, yeah, isn't that interesting? That, isn't it, it's the oldest version and the most social one. That, that's got more sense of society and belonging than the other two versions, but that's okay. We're reading it. Okay, now we're talking about there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, don't close your Bibles. Right there in the 22nd chapter. in the 22nd chapter, and in the sixth verse. Now put these two ideas together for you. Sixth verse, I'm sorry, 22.6 says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Now to complete the scriptures, Luke 15, please. Most of you already have the whole message. Okay, because if you follow the scriptures, they're all there. Luke 15. And let me tell you something about Luke 15. It's the unique chapter that's not find, found anywhere else in the Gospels. Luke 15. It talks about a lost coin. It talks about a lost sheep. And it talks about a lost son. Okay. Thirteen, verse thirteen, please. To understand it, let's start with eleven. And Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after, the young son got together all he had, set off for a distant country. There squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, and there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to, to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, 
but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired hands men have, have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. And this next verse is a, is a heart wrencher. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to the father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said, in other words, the father said, and in comes everything that marches in with forgiveness. Three particular scriptures, three choices of scriptures for this morning. This will be called back to basics simply because it's the urgency to work on a foundation. I'm saddened to know that Christianity is divvied up today by the, Q, uh, by the queer quirks and personalities of each denomination. In other words, the Baptists are like this, the Presbyterians are like this, the Methodists are like this, the Pentecostals are like this, and it's, it's so hard to think that that is our making. In other words, uh, we've divvied the whole thing up into a million boxes, and everybody suits themselves to their box, and usually the boxes fit the personalities. People that are Catholic uh, have an urgency for structure. Uh, people that are, and not only structure, there's an urgency for control. And when I say control, I say it in a very uh, positive way, but it, it, but it ends up negative. Uh, control in terms of steps for your forgiveness, uh, following duties to give you a cleansing. Uh, but this is, this, this is not, not biblical. Then you go into uh, the other denominations, and you have a spectrum that runs from this cross to that cross, and it really swoops to tremendous. Uh, there are denominations that, are, that consider themselves Bible denominations. In other words, they are into the word. I wish you would hear the way they say it, the word. And all of a sudden you get kind of scared because it sounds like a gruesome monster, the word. And now they're talking about the Bible. And then there are other, others that like better the, meth uh, the methodology. You know what I mean? Uh, there are people that are bugs for um, structure, but in terms uh, of the details, uh, uh, when I say, uh, when, I, when I use structure for the Catholics, I'm talking about structure that pertains uh, uh, to their concepts and thoughts of redemption. When I talk about uh, this in the Protestant denominations, it, it's more conceptualizing uh, according to the different things we do, the different aspects we have uh, of uh, reaching out uh, and, and communicating. 
Now, this is interesting. With the Pentecostals, now I'm an expert on Pentecostals. 40 years Pentecostal, last 10 years Pentecostal. Uh, well, now we've got a lot of nice new names, charismatic, full gospel. I can take my choice. You know, it depends upon where I am. I say, well, I'm full gospel, I'm charismatic, I'm Pentecostal. You know, it doesn't make any difference. But let me share this with you, which is terribly important. Somehow or other, I am never going to be able to change that. So don't think I'm a rebel and don't think I'm standing up there saying, hey, we got something new. No. <laughs> you want to hear something? We don't need anything new. We really don't need anything new. Because before Jesus came, there were over 250,000 religions. After Jesus, I think we probably have the same amount in denominational groups and in, in, in para groups and in uh, uh, co-groups. But I, I, when I talk about getting back to basics, I'd like to let you know that a relationship to God has nothing to do with do's and don'ts. It has nothing to do with legislation. It has nothing to do with, uh, uh, what can I tell you? Uh, in order to follow us, th this is the way our army marches. No, no, let me tell you something. Too much time is spent on do's and don'ts. And where we have to deal with is just thinking clearly through what makes our foundation. And this is what I love about being able to, to give it to you in a nutshell. Do you realize that the clearest demands of God upon humanity are found in the Sermon on the Mount? Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Excerpts of it and in different arrangements in Mark, Luke, and John. But in, in the composite, in a calling it by its name, Sermon on the Mount, Constitution of the Kingdom, Bylaws of the Kingdom, whatever you want to call it, there it is. I, I think every Christian, this is, this is between you and I, uh, I think every Christian should read the Sermon on the Mount at least once a week. Because it tells you what God demands of us. And then it also tells you how you can fulfill the demands. Because if somebody's hitting you on the head, all you want to do is get away from the person that's hitting you on the head. You don't, you don't, want, you don't want to be taught a, a golpetazos. You, you don't want to conk. Are you listening? Conk. That, that's not the way. That's not the way. The way to do it is to get a hold of truth. Why? Because truth enters the brain and is categorized in the brain. You either reject it or you, 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 you fight with it or you receive it. Your, your mind is the place where it, it reaches. Now, once it's accepted in terms of, hey, I'm not too sure, but it sounds right. Let it flow down to your heart. And you don't even have to let it flow down. Guess who takes it down? The Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit that's interested in our spiritual life. It's not the pastor. It's not the deacons. It's not the elders. It's the Holy Spirit that's interested in our spiritual life. And that's why uh, when we, we read this, there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What are we talking about? We are talking about basically, we're talking about uh, a relationship. But let me talk about truth in this sense. We must spend time sending home truth, not to somebody else, but to yourself. 
And this is where the secret of the word of God comes in. People say, oh, I don't like the Bible. I don't understand it. Isn't it amazing? I don't know anybody that reads it that does fully understand it. I don't know anybody that has a complete grasp of it. And I've walked with very powerful people, and I've walked with men in, in, in God and in the service of God. I, I've spoken to legends in Christianity, and I never heard one of them say, oh, no, I've got it down. It's really, it's really easy. It's interesting. It's, uh, no, they don't. They don't. Why? Because it's an ever-searching situation. And folks, the word of God isn't just Genesis to, uh, to, to Revelation. That, that's not just, that's what's on paper. That's what's ink and paper. But let me tell you, this word is given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. And one verse can have a thousand layers. And one book can have a million uh, interpretations for our heart. Not that they differ, but that the Spirit sends it home as you need it. We don't all need it the same way. There are some of us that are very tough. And we need a, you know, hey, kind of a boxer way of getting a truth. You know, it's got to hit you. It's got to hurt you. It's got to push you. And there are others that, hey, if anybody touches them, they'll die. So God sends it off in strands of music, in strands of light, uh, in strands of laser beams. Oh, I love God. That's why when I see people with their megaphones preaching on the street, oh, I wish they'd give me the megaphone and let me talk. Because the only thing I ever hear them say is that everybody's going to hell. All I hear them say is how the people are drunkards and, and, and drug addicts uh, and how the prostitutes are all around. Well, you know, anybody standing there that's guilty of anything, and even if you're not guilty, they make you guilty. You know, no, if we could only deliver truth. You see, truth has a power that helps it stand alone. We spend so much time protecting truth, defending truth. You don't have to defend it. You don't have to protect it. God's truth has come to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit that delivers truth. So all our job is to just, hey, recognize what truth is and give it and leave it there. We don't. We want to send it home. And I love the word in Spanish, estruarlo. You know what I mean? We want to rub it in. Like, you know, a pot that needs Brillo, it won't do with a, a washcloth. And let me tell you, the harder you try to drill truth home, the, the least it goes home. Because people are so busy hurting. They're so busy hurting that they don't even know what you said. And it's so interesting because when it comes to hurt, people always come back for more. Why? Because we're guilt-ridden. We do more out of guilt than we do out of love, than we do out of necessity, or that we do out of responsibility. We do it out of guilt. We are a guilt-ridden society, and we're a mess. You say, well, what, what, I don't fully understand that. Explain yourself. Yeah, we do it out of guilt. In other words, we've already learned the consequences of what's going to happen if we don't. So we're moved not because what we're doing we want to do, but because of what will happen to us if we don't do it. You say, well, that's life. Yeah, that is life. But see, if you get the gray matter settled, you can then do something which is such a blessing. And what is that? Just get yourself organized. There are things you have to do. There are things you don't have to do. 
And you need Holy Ghost power to choose and to know the difference. And only he can help us. In the Sermon on the Mount, the ending of it is what we were just saying. The ending of it is the foundation. He that hears my voice, he that hears my teaching, he that hears what I have to say, he that hears, he that listens, and he that receives, that's the way it is. I'm going to compare him to the man that builds his house on a rock. Then the storm comes. You see, this is what so many Christians want to cut out. They want to cut out the storm. They say, well, if I'm on the rock, I don't need the storm. No, if you're on the rock, you're going to get the storm, whether you need it or not. And let me tell you something. You may get wet. And the house may tremble a bit. And you may have a broken glass or two. The only guarantee you have is that the house won't fall and that you're on the rock. Because can you imagine if being a Christian put us in a place, uh, you know, like Bobby on her pedestal and Ken on his? Everybody that walks in, <laughs> you know? And then they would dress us up for special occasions. You know what I mean. That's not Christianity. Christianity sometimes moves out to gale winds. Christianity sometimes stands where the earth shakes. Christianity sometimes becomes the battle of your life. But let me tell you something. It's the only thing worth battling for. And it's worth battling for because, well, many, man has many companions. A man of many companions can come to ruin. You can have a lot of, you can have a lot of help. You can have a lot of entities in which you are involved in. But if you don't have the strength, they're not any good at all. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Oh, folks, I'm here to tell you, the truth is your brother. And truth is Jesus. And he said it. I am the way, the truth. And not a truth of many truths. No, I am the truth. I am the truth. It starts with creation and a revelation of a God that made it all. And a God that has followed through with his creation. A fallen creation. And he follows through to a redemption. And with that redemption, a lifting up. And a holy, glorious promise to us that we're not going to get caught somewhere in the abyss. I am not floating up to heaven and floating around to see if there's any place available. I'm not going house hunting in heaven. I know what's there. And I know it's for me and it's for you. Truth is the force that sets us free. And we've got to send, spend time sending truth home. I was amazed yesterday. The men of our church worked in that building. Now, you have no idea what that building is. I relived a million dreams in there. I relived a million episodes, and I relived a million movies that I saw as a child. The one I could best think of was The Phantom of the Opera because it has a, a big base uh, dome, and it has a lot of, uh, it's got lighting in there, and it's got steel beams that covered. I didn't see a thing. They, they came down and told me what was there. And when I think, and I, I have to tell you, when they came down and their strategies, uh, Joe Arroyo, uh, Joe Arroyo, right? Yeah. And, and Brother Gill, and all of them, all of them. Then they sat down 
to their own blueprints. This has to be done there. This has, and then Gil is so sweet. I come in and he wants to show me. So he takes me upstairs to the big machine room. And he says, these are the powerful machines and these are, and these are the levers. And I, I'm just walking behind. I don't, I don't want to offend him. You know, I don't want to tell him I'm not interested, that I don't care, that I don't even know what that's about, that, 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 that if you should throw it out, I wouldn't even know it's gone. You, you know what I mean. And I'm looking real. I'm looking real. Oh, I'm, uh, yeah. Then he, showed, then, then he says, now look outside. Watch these levers. And I, he showed me how he dimmed the lights of the house and how he brought them up. And I thought to myself, whoa. These people know what they're doing. And all of a sudden, the great truth hit me. If we would know what we pertain to in life, if we should know spiritually what we pertain to, how powerful we would be. Because in that building, they are powerful. They know what the connections are. They know what the beams are all about. They know what you can touch. They know what you can't touch. Oh my God, and they, you, now you're talking about electricity. You're talking about plumbing. Talk about painting. How marvelous. Folks, there is a way that we can know it all. And that is through the word of God. But you see, the word of God can't be taken as a technicality. It's got to be taken as water that drinks and fills us up. It's got to be taken as food that's so essential to our living. It's got to be taken as, 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 as a light unto our path. It's got to, in other words, you've you got to come into this book hungry, starved, shaking. Not like the junkie that needs a fix, but like the new creation that must be sustained by eternal God. And this is important. Truth is the force that sets us free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And it's so beautiful. Sometimes we spend so much time... We spend so much time and so, much, so many other things. I'm amazed at how well people know their jobs and their businesses. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at law enforcement. I'm amazed at fire enforcement. I'm, I'm amazed at all of this. I'm amazed. Matter of fact, I sat the other day with Sam and he was telling me, when the ladies come to clean, uh, this and this can't be mixed, and this and this can't be mixed. And I thought to myself, I've been mixing it all my life. No wonder when I stand over the, the, you know, over the washing machine, sometimes I put one thing in the other, and it goes, and I thought to myself, ooh. And then I'm so dumb. I say, oh, well, that means it cleans well. And I keep putting it. One of these days, the whole place will explode on me. But isn't it amazing? You know, just what to do with life. We go take first aid. Why? So that our children, our neighbors, whoever, we learn the Himlik or whatever, the Heimlich, whatever. We save lives. God in heaven help us to save our own spiritual life. God in help, help, God help us to extend. Now this is the basic problems. These are the basic problems about sending truth home. Number one, many of us don't know the truth. You may know a verse, you may know two verses, you may know three. We may have some winners here. You may know a million verses, if there are that many, I doubt it. But anyway, you would know them. It's not a matter of that. It's not a matter of just, you know, pick. It's not, it's not a matter of just one or two. 
we don't know the truth. This Bible, we've got to go through. We've got to feed through it. We've got to know every... You say, Sister Amy, I, I don't really understand. You can't get to know the whole, the whole Bible. You can't get... No, you can't. But you can get to know about the Bible. And then you start your search. And I want to say the second. We don't live it. Not only do we not know it, we don't live it. We had... Uh, there was a group here Friday night with the young people. And they were talking about life. They were talking about sex. Uh, they were talking about HIV. They were talking about the things that we've got to teach our kids about. And some of our kids were in total shock. Total shock about our feeling of abstinence. It's not our feeling. It's in the book. It's in the, we didn't invent it. You know, they look at us and say, oh. And then other young people felt, hey, wait a minute. I don't intend to get married till about 40 or 45. Mira que listo, ¿verdad? Kids are smart today. The only thing is they're too smart. Okay, too smart. And what am I saying with this? Hey, God knew all about love and marriage and sex because he gave it. You didn't invent it. We may have depraved it, but it was God's gift to man. And when the kids realize it's in the book, hey, yeah, the, the Bible says that. Oh my, oh my, like, wait a minute, we got to junk this. And this is where life is at. So it's not going to be easy to teach, but it's the word that tells the truth. Folks, denominations, groups, and religions have accommodated themselves to the needs and the whims of today's society. God help us to never do that. Because the minute you start tearing out a page because it's not convenient, the rest of the book is no good to you. Because this book is a one piece for God's glory, for your edification, and for my blessing. I said we're guilt-ridden. Don't put truth aside because of personal failure. Now be careful about that. I don't think there's a more horrific moment in a life when your kids look up at you and say, well, you do it. And it's the truth, we do. What do you do? I know what I want to do. Hmm. Oh. You know, and I got all the words that go with it. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll level them down. But you know, I don't because if they've seen my failures and they're telling me, Mom and Dad, you do it. Why should we? I got the best answer in the world, folks. When they're small, you know what we say to them. Because I'm your father. Because I'm your mama. Well, because God said so. You can't beat that. And it's the truth. Because God said so. And you don't have a better pattern than God. You don't have a better lover than God. You don't have a better caretaker than God. You don't have anybody that knows the whips and the turns of our life. Uh, you don't know anybody that can precede you and can at the same time cover your back. Uh, we don't know anybody like that. We don't know anybody that loves us day and night and uh, through the vigils of the night watches over us. Uh, you don't have anyone like that. There isn't a mother alive that can do it. There isn't a father alive that can do it. But God does it. God does it. 
We're in a frenzy. We're in a frazzle. We're nervous wrecks. We're falling apart because we don't trust. The word says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Okay? And we want to make God a liar, so we go off on our tangents. The only one that's a liar is you and me because God remaineth truthful forevermore. And we thank the Lord for that. I just want to close this up by telling you, we, our church, after 12 years, will start a new era, our 13th year in the theater, which is beautiful. But I want to tell you something, folks. We are accommodating ourselves to nothing but God's truth. We are accommodating ourselves to nothing but the teaching of the Bible. I close with the great thought. In this 22nd chapter, it says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he'll not turn from it. It's interesting because so many parents have backslidden kids. So many parents have children that are out there, almost demon-possessed, filled with alcohol and drugs. And the parent looks back and says, oh God, where did I fail you? It says, train up a child. I tried my best. I did my best. And that's where I, I'm so thrilled at the loving kindness of Jesus. 15th chapter of the book of Luke, nowhere else in the entire Bible. And it's so beautiful. Here's the rich man with the rich kid. And he lacks nothing. You know, some kids run away because they lack everything. They have nothing. And somehow or other, everything looks better over there. This kid has everything and yet he goes. Proving that backsliding is not a question of being poor and down and out. It's a question of wanting to reach the unknown. And you know how, what happens. The kid goes out and spends all his daddy's good money. He goes out and does his thing. He goes out and parties, 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 and parties. Whoa. He has his full. Two things happen and two things coincide. A famine hits the land and his money runs out. Hey, that's bad. That's two happenings that are bad. But there they are. There they are. What does he do? Getting out of here. And I'm not going home to a rich house. I'm going home looking for a job. I love that. And you saw the encounter. A father embraces a son and says, I, hijo mío. And the son starts his, 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 his blubbering confession, which is already taken care of. Because you see, you, you confess in here and you confess in here before you ever. You, yes, you do confess with your mouth. But what I mean, he had taken care of what he had to do. He had to make a choice. He had to move on it, take care of it. And he did. And they're screaming all over the place. Bathe him, dress him. Rings on his fingers, crowns on his head. New sandals. Uh, do, do him anew. Why? Because he's my son that was dead. Now he's come back to life. Folks, this is what truth will give us. It will bring back the dead sons. It'll bring back the dead daughters. It will bring them back. And it will keep us from straying. 
So it's not a matter of, are you Presbyterian? Are you Methodist? Are you uh, what? No, no, no. I belong to Jesus. And his Holy Spirit, the author of the word, tells me which way to go. And we will trust this word. Folks, don't let it go. You say, Sister Amy, but sometimes I don't understand. Well, write it down. Come see me. Come see any of our students that are studying the Bible. Let's figure out what you don't understand. We probably can't give it to you, you know, but we could try. I've always told everybody, you don't know what you're reading? You want to know something? Come to me. And somebody looks up because I, I got two or three smart Alex in this church. Oh, pastor, means you know it all. No, me, oh, I don't know it all. But I'll take it home and I'll study it. And I'll bring you back an answer from in-depth studies. Okay? And then you'll learn that you can do the same thing. We move on, but with the same foundation. We move on in the fire and in the power of a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We move on in the power of the word of God. They're not going to be fascinated. They're not going to be fascinated with our music. They're not going to be fascinated. Noise will attract them. But where the fascination will come, where the power will come, where the joy will come, is when they hear the word that there is a redeemer and blood was shed to save them from their sins. And we're there to proclaim it with a life that's happened and with many more. Say amen. amen.